0: as a family. Uh, We want to thank you for your servant, Gordy, who humbly serves us um, so much. We ask that um, you'll open our ears to hear what you have to say to us through him. And uh, we're thankful. We're so thankful for this time that we could um, carve out together to spend together as a community growing
1: in you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, sweet. Kathleen, do you mind pulling my binder out of the bag there and bringing it to me, please? Have coffee, we'll preach. Thank you, no, this is good, I'm good. So as mentioned... um, We're talking about 2020, a look into the coming year, and I want to talk about finding our bearings. Um, Interesting phrase kind of popped into my mind this week as I was thinking about this whole idea of vision. And I think there's a story that happened that correlates with that for me this week. One of the days of this week, I woke up, I'm happy to say, and I had no idea where I was, who I was. Have you ever had that happen? Your sleep is really weird, and I didn't recognize anything that could uh, immediately that could help me orient myself to where I was. I had no idea what time it was, and you know, within a few uh, a minute or so, I, I realized that I was actually in my own bed, in my own bedroom, and nothing had changed about where I normally was when I woke up. But I had been very sick over the last few weeks, I had been on strong pain, I was trying to manage the pain, I have this very, very pragmatic Jewish doctor, anytime I go in with him to see him with something like this, he always says, ah, suck it up, Uh, I said, can you help, can you cure me, can you give me something, he says, no, and he just says, the only thing you can do is pain management, so that's what I was doing, was pain management. So I was on strong pain relievers, trying a minimal dose of decongestions, but I had a bit of that, and I'd been traveling. I'd just come back from Calgary, and of course I'd stayed in a hotel for a few days, visited a lot of different homes, my mom in her manor, her senior's manner, uh, my brother, um, my sister-in-law, our son in his home, and I was sick through a lot of that time. And this particular night, I'd slept very deeply and dreamed heavily, and it was like that movie, you know, where the, guy, the dreams are in the dream? I kind of had a dream, and I woke up from that dream, but it was another dream that I woke into. So all of this served to this, uh, caused this extreme disorientation, and it just took a few minutes for me to find my bearings. And the Urban Dictionary describes finding your bearings as t- figuring out your position or situation relevant to your surroundings. And this is something we take for granted all the time. Of course, when you don't have that sense of orientation, we call that lost. You ever been lost? Now this can happen geographically, which guys will never admit to. But it can also happen mentally, emotionally, relationally, socially. Have you ever felt lost in a group? Where you you just don't know who you are, where you are, and where you stand. Uh, in that social context And, and thankfully for me I soon found my bearings and there was a couple of things I noticed that helped me find my bearings number one was memory memory helped me provide a context for where I was and so I began to see things that were familiar to me giving me a sense of a point of reference and how much is there in scripture by the way this is a side note about seeing but not seeing, hearing but not hearing. Could it be that God is describing people who've lost their bearings? And so they see what should be obvious, and Jesus said that to the Pharisees, didn't he? He said, you you can tell the weather, but you don't know the signs of the times. So this thing of finding our bearings is quite important and maybe is more the topic than our vision. Because we all have vision, but what are we seeing? As Richard Rohr says, it's, you know, we don't see things uh, as they are. We see things as we are. And as we enter 2020, I feel we need to find our bearings as individuals, as a community, because there's such crazy things going on all around us. So much change. Even the first few days of 2020 have been crazy on the earth. And... Um, so who are we and why do we exist? And is our existence even re- relevant anymore? You know, we come Sundays, we worship. Some of us are in home groups. We do our thing. We have courses. We, we have our devotions, our spiritual life. What What's what's it all about? So we're in this season of epiphany, as I said, which means unveiling or revealing. And it looks at those parts of the gospel story where, where God's been hidden and he begins to reveal himself. And, of course, the incarnation was was. It was kind of this paradox of a hidden but revealing event, wasn't it? It happened, but lots of people missed it. A few saw it, the star, the angels, the shepherds. A few got it, the magi. And of course, Epiphany is is featuring the story of the magi. And this week, it's featuring the story of when Jesus, after years of seclusion, of obscurity, appears publicly through the ministry of John the Baptist. So that's that's the context, and I think there's a lot about finding your bearings that we find in this text. So I'm going to read it, we'll read it together, and then I want to walk you through it a little bit. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him. That word deter literally means he pushed back. He said, uh uh-uh, uh-uh. Something's not right with this picture. Saying, I, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? So Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. That word consented is a reluctant, okay, but still struggling. It was awkward for him. Verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, or as many translations have it properly, my beloved son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased or delighted So let's look at this a little more in in detail. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan. And this is the first we've heard of Jesus since the story last week about when Jesus was in the temple, right? It's been 18 years. What happened in those 18 years? I call it ordinary time. It's that part of Jesus' life that was hidden and ordinary, but no less significant. There was It was foundational. You know, we've often heard the illustration that the, the higher a building goes, the deeper the foundation has to be built and dug. And so there was this deep foundation of love and life and faithfulness that was being built in Jesus' life. And he's 30 now. And during... Just around within the year of that time, when Jesus turned 30, John the Baptist emerges on the scene as a prophet, calling the nation of Israel to repentance. And this got a lot of attention because it had been so long. They had waited and waited and waited, and they'd been looking for a voice, a sign that God was still with them. And John's emergence gave them hope. And the religious leaders and authorities couldn't decide if he was a prophet of Yahweh or not, because he didn't, he wasn't very nationalistic. He wasn't waving the Israeli flag. In fact, he said, you think you're a child of Abraham? Big deal. God can make one out of this rock. Well, that didn't really go over that well. So they were kind of wondering if he was the guy, and then didn't. But he also preached about the Messiah, and that stirred nationalistic fervor because they were sick of the Romans. You know, you have to realize they were in their own land, but they were occupied by the Romans, so they still regarded themselves as being in exile, even though they were in their own land. So this idea of a Messiah stirred some hope. Maybe this guy's going to kick the Romans out for us and bring deliverance. So it was in this context that Jesus came, and the first thing he did was unexpected. We could call him the un-Messiah. He did something very un-Messiah-like, and it really offended John because he came to be baptized by John. Well, what was John's message? He said, repent, change your way of thinking, and to show that you're receiving this message and you're willing to repent, be baptized. And so here's Jesus the Messiah, as we know now, God in human flesh submitting to this baptism and that- re- john he he may not have known everything, but he felt something's not something's out of kilter here. I think we should ask Netflix to do a new series, the Un Messiah, so we see this 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 first characteristic of Jesus becoming public was humility. He humbled himself as God. And that's what first thing Paul says about Jesus in in Philippians 2 when he describes the, the emptying of Christ. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. The first thing about getting your bearings is humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That's the posture. And he comes and he says to to John, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. So John, it's, it's like Jesus was saying this. John, I know this feels awkward for you. You're in new territory. But it is necessary for you to walk through this terrain with me This is part of the story that God, who is at work to fulfill all righteousness, which literally is God is at work making everything right, and we still haven't found what we're looking for. So we got to go with this story. Because it started, but it's not finished yet. There's still First Nations who have water and, and, and health that's way out of sync with the rest of our Culture, our population in Canada, we haven't found what we're looking for. Did you know that the early church, I was looking at this scripture when when Wade was, when, when we were singing that song from Isaiah 2. It says, come let us return to the Lord and let us go to the, the nations will say, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. And and it talks about that we'll be taught by God. And then it says that their spears will be turned into, into plowshares and their swords into pruning holes. That the weapons of the world, that billions and billions of dollars that are spent on military are going to be start, starting to be spent on food, provision, justice. Did you know the early church didn't relegate that to some future eschatological thing? They believed that in Christ that was fulfilled. And we still haven't found what we're looking for. That's the story. And Jesus said to John, Hey, get with the story. And by the way, I'm now a human being. I'm God, but I'm a human being. And I'm entering this God story by submitting to this baptism. This is critical to finding our bearings. Critical to finding our bearings is remembering the story we're in. This is why we do the practices we do every week when we come together. We read from the lectionary, which is designed by the wisdom of thousands of years of church history, where the story of God is is spread over the calendar, this church year. And we go through it through three different levels of it. Every three years, there's a cycle. We follow it with millions of Christians around the world as a tool of discipleship so that we can live more deeply into the story, so that we can make sure we don't lose our bearings, that we remember what story we're in, so we have the readings and the teaching and the singing and the songs, and we baptize and we have communion. And I was reading through Chronicles this week and I was shocked to find find that the volunteer calendar started way back in the book of Chronicles. Did you know that? There's a volunteer calendar in the book of Chronicles. It talks about this month, these guys are going to be leading worship. This month, these guys will lead worship. These guys are going to take care of the gates. These guys are going to clean the, the altar. and this. They have all of the... I thought this was our idea. Do You know, we're standing on the shoulders of giants who've gone before us. And These practices that we do, we're living into the story of God. It's the story of God's rescue of this planet of radical inclusion, that God has chosen not to do this apart from us, that he rescues us and he says, hey, come, be part of this. And that's a scandal because he knows how badly we can mess it up. And we do. So part of the story is cleaning up our messes together. I mean, isn't that that what we're doing with reconciliation with First Nations? We're cleaning up our own mess. We need the healing more than they do. This is the greatest scandal. He's chosen not to do it apart from us. In fact, he so much chose not to do it apart from us, he became one of us. That's the incarnation. It's a story of radical inclusion. It transcended all cultural, ethnic, economic, and gender barriers. Paul described it this way, and this is why baptism is so important. Whenever we go to do a baptism in our church, I look at this story of Jesus because it's a story of inclusion. Paul says, you, in Christ, you are all children of God through faith. Because of Christ's death and resurrection, every person who's ever born on this earth is a child of God. They've been included in Christ. And all that needs to happen for that to become real is to believe and become baptized. And if, like the thief on the cross, they don't get a chance to be baptized, then Jesus says, ah, we'll skip that rule. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, is that radical grace or what? So there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. But you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This was so radical for a people who regarded themselves as God's chosen people that now this invitation was being extended to the whole world. Now, to emphasize this point, let me ask you a question. I had this God moment with our homestay and her, and her friend this week. We were talking about this. I asked her, because she was raised in the German and, and has a kind of a, a nominal faith, at least, and very hungry and open. But we started talking. I said, who were the first non-Jewish people. This was, I think, Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday we were talking about this. Now think about this. Who were the first non-Jewish people to worship Messiah? The Magi. Magi. Now, who were the Magi? Who were they? From From Iran. Do you know what day The Feast of the Magi was? It was Tuesday. The day of the bombing. So we were talking about this and I just burst into tears. Because I think that God is speaking to the church about Iran, that this is their time and we need to pray. For this country. Did you know that there are literally hundreds of thousands of Iranians who've come to Christ? Our first neighbors in Vancouver were Iranians. They were the most incredibly hospitable and gracious and generous people we've ever met. Unbelievable. So, what is God saying? Finding our bearings means when these events happen, we remember our story. By the way, I I have to say, I didn't get that insight on my own. I got that insight as I was listening to an American pastor preach this. And I wept as this man of God just called out. Just called out. This this whole rush to war and, and called for the the, the pruning hooks and the and the plowshares. Finding our bearings remember it means remembering our story whether you're baptized as a baby and some people see that as their baptism or and you refer to that or whether you were baptized as an adult or both I baptized people in the actual Jordan River who just wanted to get baptized again because it was the Jordan River. For whatever, Baptism is an invitation for you. And if you haven't been baptized and you'd like to be, we love to baptize all year round. Do the polar bear thing, you know. God is at work. Remember the story we're in, no matter how disoriented you may be. God is at work. Circumstances can cause us to lose our bearings. Bearings. The climate chaos that we're experiencing. Look at Australia. By the way, we did get some rain after we prayed last week, and I'm sure many people prayed, but, but keep praying. Wars and rumors of war, famine, economic downturn. You lose your job, bankruptcy. Those can cause you to lose your bearings. Illness, grief and loss, addictions. God is at work. Remember your story. He's bigger. And he's chosen not to do this work apart from us. He's engaged in our lives. And God is at work in this world, making it right again. And everything you do matters. And so as soon as Jesus was baptized, it says he went up out of the water. And there's this incredible moment. We don't know what that means, but it says the heavens were open. What does that mean? I don't know. It says the heavens were open says, the Spirit of God descended like a dove, lighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, I can't hold it back anymore. This is my boy. This is my son. I'm in love with him. I'm so delighted in him. Now, speaking of delighted, this is my youngest granddaughter. Now, I want to talk to you about delight. Every Wednesday... And I, I can't go every Wednesday, but, but I often go on what's called Welcome Wednesday. And her genius teacher uh, at Vancouver Christian School opens the class for the first 20 minutes to parents, to grandparents, or to significant others. And so what I do is Danielle brings, my daughter brings, uh, this is Alina, Brings her to the Montessori over here. I come over because Dee has to go quite early to open up the Montessori. So I go over, over, get the car seat, put it in, pick up Alina and drive her to VCS. And we chat on the way, catch up with our lives, get her out of the car, try not to park illegally, get o- bring her in and we stand in line and the teacher welcomes everybody to Welcome Wednesday and I go into her class and she, Alina disappears for a couple minutes, takes her coat off she comes back with her work so she shows me what she's been doing with spelling and then what she's been doing with writing and what she's been doing with math and, 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 and we take a few minutes to do that and it's always very uh, exciting and you see her progress and then she brings a book and uh, we read a great story about spiders this week. It was just ingenious. But I didn't know that spiders had grandparents. But this spider did, and and you know, I make this adjustment to do this in my schedule. But I just I just walk out after it's done. She she hugs me about I can't even count the number of times and kisses me and away we go. And I just get in the car and I just I just I'm just busted. I'm just busted it's so incredible such a such an amazing moment of of delight and and so this it's it's the highlight of the, uh, of the week and 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 this is the picture that that god is communicating about jesus and he says you're my beloved son this word uh beloved is you you bring me joy you bring me delight it's I'm not just loving you, and and it's kind of hard. You know, I I love you, but, you know, I'm really putting up with you. No, 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 it's not that. It's like your very existence just makes my existence so much more fun. And uh, that's the language there. What I love about this word, beloved, is it doesn't appear very much in the Gospels except reference to Jesus. But when you go into the book of Acts and you go into the epistles, do you know where it starts showing the disciples start saying that to each other. In fact, Barnabas is called our beloved Barnabas in Acts 15. And then as you move into the, the epistles, Paul says, to the church in Rome, beloved of God. So it's, it, it actually goes from beloved, we are beloved of God, which is a beautiful word. Adam Taylor in a recent Sojourner's article said this, Beloved signifies what we most value, love, and cherish. From a spiritual religious perspective, beloved starts with an understanding and belief that we're beloved of God, that, that he doesn't just put up with us, that he just is so crazy in love with us. That God knows everything about us, our vices, our shortcomings, our contradictions, and he's delighted in us anyway. Beloved is rooted in a mutual regard and, and mutual concern, and so in the community, it's, it's an empathy that we feel, we feel for each other. We suffer with those who suffer and rejoice with those who rejoice. It's a con- community where we constantly seek to build and restore right relationships. The needs of the most vulnerable are recognized and prioritized because the moral test of our community and society is how the most vulnerable are faring, particularly children, the, st- the stranger, the immigrant, the marginalized. We are a community with a foundation of love and I think that's why that song has meant so much to us this year. I will build my life on your love. This is, this is, everything we do is we're called to live out of love. It's a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken. Instead of fear, love. Instead of suspicion of the other, love. Instead of accusation and judgment and labeling and demonizing, love. As soon as we demonize somebody, then we can justify why we rob them of rights, justice, and love. So the vision for the beloved community is founded in God's love. And I'm going to tell you a story that happened this, uh, this last week. I lost my bearings a little bit. It's been that kind of week. Now, before you feel sorry for me, these are all first world problems, okay? So don't feel too sorry for me. But it's been a bit of a rough week. First thing is, I don't know, early in the week, I bent over to put a dish in the dishwasher and all of a sudden something went in my back. And I fought, because usually with that, what I've done before is when that happened, I've ended up on all fours and then just been debilitated for a couple of weeks. So I fought against that and stood up and stretched. But, it, you know, I'm on T3s, okay? So I take no responsibility for what I say this morning. So and, so, and then Tuesday night we had our leadership meeting which was awesome but at the end of the leadership meeting I got disoriented and forgot the security code and I set the alarm off and I swore and Lynn heard me and she laughed her head off and she said Gordy I don't usually hear you lose it like that I said I apologize for my French and then Wednesday hit And, and of course, this happened in the morning, which was beautiful. And then I went to prepare. Wednesday, I like to block off a time for studying, fasting, and praying. I actually fast part of the day, do a lot of prayer, and get ready for Sunday, which is a normal Wednesday if I'm teaching, which I like to do. But everything went sideways. And it started with a computer problem where my computer stopped talking to my printer. So I couldn't scan. So it's not like, like, first world problem, right? But it's so annoying because there's just little tasks that I, you know, I, I, you know, I get my sense of value by crossing things off the to-do list, right? God loves me more now. Look at that to-do list, right? And and so it just that to-do list just stared at me because I couldn't get this blankety blank printer to work. No, it wasn't the printer; it was my computer. So anyway, long story short, I spent a lot of the day troubleshooting. So by mid-afternoon, I I just really hadn't felt like I'd really been able to focus on this sermon, and I was really discouraged. And um, so I decided, okay, well, the least I can do is go out for my prayer walk. Well, the weather was miserable. It was cold and humid, and the wind didn't blow at me. It blew through me, and felt like my heart was going (laughs) just icicles around my heart and I was suffering the sciatic pain in my back and legs it was cloudy the sky was glowering all kinds of threats and I and people were walking by me and they wouldn't make eye contact and it just the world just felt like this dystopian nightmare and I just burst into tears I'm not ashamed to say I just burst into tears I just felt God. And um, it reminded me of these art pieces that Sandra, remember at the Christmas Eve, we showed these? Sandra had sent these to me. And, and, and it's such a picture of our false selves and how we isolate ourselves in a crowd, in our society. We're in a crowd, but we're lonely, we're disconnected. That's how I felt on my walk. That's literally how I felt. And um, and the world felt like such a, a, a cold, lonely, painful place. And then I thought, that's our vision. Our vision is to be this beloved community that began with the incarnation when God's beloved came. God planted a seed of love into our world And and then that love walked around in the form of this person, Jesus, the most wonderful person who's ever lived, the most wonderful human being who's ever existed. You know what the good news is? It's him. He's the good news. His life, his death, his message, his resurrection, and his continual work through us, in us. He makes beautiful things out of the dust of our lives. And look at him. This is what he restored as the beloved community. I long for home and hearth. I long for family. Now, get me. don't get me wrong. I have that, but it was just this crazy moment. I just had that amazing morning with Le- Alina, and I was amazed how much I'd forgotten that. I'd become disoriented. I'd lost my bearings. And I was longing for comfort and love and to be to, to be able to love and be loved. And then I realized that this is the gift that our church is to the world, to each other, to our neighbors, our family, our friends. And this is what Jesus came to bring. But it's not easy. I was struck, and I want to read an entry from my journal, which I, I wrote, this actually was in Calgary, on one of my devotional mornings. And I was commenting on that part where Jesus had cast out a demon, and they were crying out, You are the Messiah, the Son of God. And he shut them up. Remember that? He said, don't. Stop it. Why did he do that? And then the next phrase says he called some disciples to himself. And the contrast struck me. Jesus chose the slow road. The easy road was promotion. Get these demons telling everybody how powerful I am. But he shut them up. He wasn't going to go that way. And instead... He forbade them, and he chose the slow route of discipleship of a bunch of broken people. I'm going to say that again. The slow route of discipling a bunch of broken people who bring all kinds of brokenness and broken stuff and dust from their families of origin and from their families of origin from generations past, and we bring it all into the church and say, hey, let's be fair. And he chose instead the slow route of discipleship of a bunch of broken people in community in a long obedience in the same direction. He chose the messy, arduous, slow process of community and learning to love in a diverse, messy, broken community rather than slick marketing and the, where the, the, the demons were offering. Hey, he's the son of God! Or posting spectacular miracles on Facebook or impressing everyone by leaping off the temple. Unless we get too romantic about this, think about this. Who did he choose to be in this first beloved community? One who would betray him? Two brothers with really hot tempers, so much so he nicknamed them Sons of Thunder. A designated leader who was so impulsive, he often had to shut him up, and one time he had to exorcise him. He had two who were on the opposite sides of the political spectrum. One was a right-wing capitalist, the other was a left-wing socialist. One was a zealot determined to stamp out the Roman occupation and the other was a tax collector who collaborated with the Romans. One cheered for the Canucks, the other for the flames. You think it's hard for us to be in community? What about these guys? Their false selves were constantly emerging with arguments over who was the greatest. And in the end, one denied him, one betrayed him, and the rest abandoned him and left him alone with his accusers and hostiles when he needed them the most. All that to say that community is not an ideal. Bonhoeffer used to say this. Those who love community destroy it. But those who love their brothers and sisters build community. It's a place where we learn costly love, where we come together not because we have so much in common, but because we've all heard the same voice, the same shepherd saying, follow me. There's something about God choosing us and it says Jesus chose his disciples to be with him and to send them out to preach. Yeah, there was a function later, but what does, it, does it mean anything to you that God first chose you because he wants to be with you? He wants to be your friend, your lover. He wants to enjoy your company and be in delight, delight in that. There's something about God choosing us choosing us to be with us just because he wants to be with us. What we do is an overflow or secondary to being together. Whatever we do, let's do it together. We go up a cul-de-sac, we'll come back together. We have a graphic artist who's designing a new logo for us and she asked a series of questions, a lot of questions, for us to answer. And I found this just one of the most invigorating exercises. First I thought, oh no, some more work. But as I began to do it, I began to really feel fired up. She, she asked, what is unique about VEV? She's doing a logo for us. And so I wrote some of these things out. We provide a place for many people who wouldn't fit the status quo of most churches. Thanks, Wooly. We embrace a diversity of social and economic strata. We are not afraid of the messiness of engaging emotional and relational brokenness while on a journey towards emotionally healthy spirituality. More things. We are an intergenerational in our approach to worship, community, and discipleship. We're committed to reconciliation, particularly with indigenous and first peoples, which includes a 24-year relationship with the lower post, the Cascadena First Nations community on the Yukon border, and if you haven't seen it yet, take a look at the eight-minute video at our website, which kind of summarizes that journey, and we're going again this summer. It'll be the second week of July, and it looks like Strathcona Vineyard wants to join us this year. We are a place of authenticity and being real and committed to emotionally healthy relationships. And we regard the marginalized as gifts to us with the understanding that we are all the marginalized. Christine Shepard was, you know, she left about a year ago, and very timely, because she was able to be with her mom in her last year, and her mom passed away just before Christmas, and I noticed in some of Christine's posts, she talked about our church, so I asked her, I said, can you, can you just write, and this was this week, I said, can you just tell me what that is, what, because you've been in lots of churches, And now you're back in Ontario and you're in a good church and you've been in churches before you came here. What did you find unique about us? And she said this. "Um, I've been going to church all my life and I've never been in a more transparent community of believers. And then she sent me a transcript of what she'd said on her last Sunday. She said, leadership has modeled this over and over. I've been blessed to see and witness your growing transparency and brokenness. And you've witnessed my brokenness and you've extended grace to me many, many times. And I hope that I've extended that to you. It has been my privilege to see you grow in your faith and health and to grow with you. Keep on being real. Don't be ashamed of your brokenness. Your brokenness is where Jesus gets to show up and shine through you. Thinking of Leonard Cohen, the light the crack where the light gets through. When you share your weakness and brokenness with others, you give others the opportunity to open themselves up. And then Jesus' light gets to shine into dark places and healing happens. We're not afraid of the darkness because the light is always stronger. The light, you don't fight darkness. You just turn the light on. So... I'm gonna, I want to offer you a song, and many of you have heard this song, but it's really meant a lot to me. I'll give you the context for it. First of all, our conclusion is clarity of identity, who I am, and belonging comes with the awareness of who, of, that, that we are in God's story and intentionally living more deeply into that story. So that helps us get our bearings and our vision. So what obstacles hinder your capacity to see your own belovedness to God, yourself, and others? And I think that was kind of a word you felt, Rose, today for the, for the service. What hinders your capacity to see that you are delightful to God? What are barriers that hinder your entering into the beloved community? That keep you hidden, hiding. And in the light of God's loving invitation to enter more deeply into the beloved community in 2020, what is one step you will take in response? So before I share this song with you, Recently in spiritual direction, and I usually get spiritual direction about once a month from uh, my spiritual director, Jeff Imbach, who was a colleague of Henry Noun, the late Henry Noun. And they started together the Henry Noun Foundation, which has now become Soul Streams, which is where I got my spiritual direction training from. And something really crazy happened the last time in spiritual direction, and he identified something in my life. And it had to do with the fact that I still struggle with huge stretches where I don't see myself as God's beloved. I don't see myself as God. I see myself as one whom God puts up with and endures. Now, that's not true here. I know here what's right. But I'm talking about here. You know, at at an emotional level, I just feel... Often, if I could be really honest, I suffer with sad and depression. I just feel God's just right, pissed right off at me. I struggle with that. So this came out in spiritual direction. And, and uh, my spiritual director identified through my story some aspects of trauma in my childhood that I, I just didn't see as trauma before. But now I'm seeing it as trauma. And so he made some references for me and I'm following up And um, I'm going to get some help. I'm getting some help for this. But I got into the car after this session. And I was just a mess. I was just weeping. And uh, I don't know how it happened. But I, I, I don't, obviously, I, I travel hands-free with my phone. So I just put my earpiece back in. And something happened. Uh, the song came on. I don't know how it happened, but it was like God just came and sat right in the chair next to me and said these words.
2: You are not hidden. There's never been a moment you were forgotten. You are not hopeless. You have been broken, your innocence stolen. I hear you whisper. No distance mm.
0: Speaking of transparency and brokenness, thank you for sharing, Gordy. Kathleen and I both just had a sense it was important to let you just be right now. Um, just a moment. We, As Gordy was uh, teaching, I found my eye drawn to the stained glass behind him and like you I've looked at it so many times in church and for some reason today I noticed something that I've never noticed before and I noticed that so many of the diamond pieces are broken up um I I wonder if they've been repaired. And I wonder if some of the bits of color that are there in the corners are repairs, or I wonder if they're part of the original design. And what's fantastic is it, I don't think it really matters. It's a part of the beauty that's here now and I was so moved when you shared that how the word beloved gets used in the New Testament is when the disciples start speaking to each other and uh, I think many of you have seen the call to prayer that our national directors have put out. Our national leadership is in a time of praying and discerning whether the current statement, the letter that, that, uh, that's been guiding us as a, as a national vineyard movement uh, around many things to do with sexuality and human flourishing, whether that's going to stay or whether that's shift or change. But what's been happening in the process has been this call over and over again to humble ourselves humble ourselves change our posture we had a whole conference where we went I think expecting maybe to have arguments or discussions with each other and the whole thing the spirit said was just humble yourself be willing to change your posture even if your theology never changes can you call each other beloved can you call each other beloved And Rose's strong sense at the beginning, she had a conversation with some of our kids downstairs where she was saying to them, you guys are beautiful. And they went, yeah, yeah, I'm beautiful. And she said, no, say, say, I'm beautiful. I think, I'm beautiful. Can you say it? I don't know, it's so hard sometimes to say. But she said it, she felt it was important for some people here to say, I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. I see a couple of you whispering that. Maybe that could be a whisper underneath your breath, or maybe it's something you're supposed to say out loud. I'm, I'm beautiful. I find that so hard to say about myself sometimes. I see, like you, all my brokenness. Right? But I know you know, I don't know how many times I've told the story of sitting next to your dad at your graduation from Regent that took you, like, the record and... That's what your earthly dad said, right? In the middle of this serious thing, he was the only one who yelled, "That's my boy!" You know, and you were in your fifties, and he was in his eighties, and that's still what he said. An interesting thing with me today, and I feel like there's maybe more significance than I even understand. But I was with a friend this week, helping her in a situation, and she worships with the Anglican Church. And as you know, this building is. We're guests of the Anglican Diocese here. And she gave me a jar of anointing oil that had been blessed by the Bishop of the Anglican Diocese and gave it to me and said, would you like to take it? Would you like to use it as you pray for people? And I said, yeah, that would mean something to me. So... um, We need to honor our kids' church leaders. We need to finish and we need to release people who need to go. But there's so much tenderness today. So much tenderness. As Gordy has said, in a tender week. But that that psalm we read together today, that psalm that we started with was, you know, the Lord is strong. His voice thunders. These huge pictures and the last line is... The Lord blesses his people with peace. The Lord blesses his people with peace. So I want to encourage you, if God stirred something in you today, whatever those pieces might be, whether that's you don't know if you can call yourself beloved, you don't know if you can recognize that you bring joy, you don't know if your peace has been fixed yet, you don't know how that's going to get filled in, if it's going to be different colors, how do you fit in that thing? I feel like them, that word is everybody fits, and it doesn't even matter if your square looks or your diamond looks the way that everybody else's looks. You fit. You fit. Everybody matters to God. So um, I know there's more for me to do in prayer. I feel like I could just like cry or like, blah, 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 or something. So I don't want to ignore that. Um, and uh, but I do want to bless us to receive prayer but I invite you to not run away and if you want prayer, especially if you would like to be anointed and that feels significant to you today I'm willing to do that do you have a sense? this is not
3: entirely related but I did have a strong hearing today in the worship and it was to do with a whistle Wade and it was, uh, so I said I remembered the scripture from Isaiah where God raises up a banner and it's in the midst of rejection of God himself and and the devastation of people rejecting God. If you read in Isaiah, I think it's chapter 5, verse 26, and in the midst of that, God says, I will raise up a standard and I will whistle. It's very interesting. And God is... And I feel very specifically... For Wade, and, and you can confirm this with me, Wade. Or, But when Wade is using his music, I feel like the Lord wants to raise up a standard and whistle. And when he whistles, he brings people. And I feel like I'm to really pray. And I think we need to get behind the kind of music that Wade does to whistle as God's way of beckoning many young people to himself. Somehow just to pray for venues or open doors And bless the beats that Wade has. And also, I'm just waiting on the Lord and and feeling like God is in this church raising up a standard. for, Like for Kirsten, for example, for a mission fest. I feel like God wants to whistle through you as well, Kirsten, in regards to this whole area of accountability. So I know you know that. But I think there's something when intercessors recognize it and really get behind it and pray it. And I think God is whistling through us. And sometimes we feel that we are insignificant. But when God starts to raise up his standard and whistles through us, then God wants to really move on it. And this word here is, um, is far beyond Gordy. It's, there's a whole generation of, of people that have suffered violence. Whether it's abuse, whether it's uncontrolled anger, whether it's terrible words. And I believe that God is healing Gordy and has continued to heal and will continue to heal Gordy because there's a whole harvest of young people that need to have the same healing that you are receiving, honey.
0: So that's kind of what I wanted to release. Thank you. Beautiful vision. So I pray a blessing where we can finish and close, but I invite you to not run away. If you feel like God's doing something, either stay where you are and uh, ask someone near you that you trust to pray for you or come forward and sit closer and we can pray together. Thank you for coming together today. Thank you, beloved, beloved, beloved. Thank you. I'm going to read uh, a prayer from the last verses of the book of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, To the only God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.